Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and mindfulness expert, Julie Potiker. We're going to be talking about five mindfulness tips for a happier pandemic Thanksgiving. The pandemic puts a damper on many families' Thanksgiving plans this year, as CDC guidelines discourage any indoor gatherings with people outside your immediate household. But gratitude isn't canceled. Give thanks with tips from mindfulness expert Julie Potiker, who shares thoughtful and meaningful ways to conduct with to connect with family, even in these unusual times. Traditional holiday dinners may not be possible right now, she says, but it it just might be the perfect year to deepen your relationship with loved ones in a new way. She's an attorney and is a mindfulness expert with extensive teacher training and a variety of tools and methods, including mindful self-compassion. Through her Mindful Methods for Life program offerings, she helps others bring more peace and wellness into their lives. Welcome to the show, Julie. Nice to have you on. So happy to be here. Good morning. And as you reminded me, nice to have you back. It's been almost two years since you were on the show. A lot has happened, as we discussed briefly. (laughs) So We're in a a different world now, aren't we? We are in a completely different world, and I think five mindfulness tips are really important right now for Thanksgiving because people are, and we also uh, touched on this a bit, are wrestling with what to do. Do you stay home, have Thanksgiving by yourself? Do you do it with your bubble family, or do you actually get on a plane and travel across the country to go just to be with family, but also taking taking significant risks in terms of your health and the health of the people you're going to be with? Um it's very clear to me. It's yeah. very clear to me that people are struggling and suffering trying to figure out that equation, trying to balance that equation, the risk versus the benefit. You know, being being alone is really um, difficult for so many people. But the idea of catching or giving COVID nineteen is so much scarier and so much worse. Um, so that I'm hoping people stay safe and figure out, well, this Thanksgiving is going to be different. I might be by myself. What can I do to nourish myself and feel okay enough? Because next Thanksgiving, hopefully, we'll be able to be together. Yeah, and that's let's talk about that because there are these different scenarios and, and sort of incorporating that into the five mindful tips for a happier pandemic Thanksgiving. Okay, this is Thanksgiving. You're by yourself. You're alone. You're literally alone in your house or your apartment or wherever you're living. And how do you apply these tips to someone who's sitting there by themselves? Right. So it's almost like you're giving yourself a little mini retreat um, to do some self-care that day. So it's going to be tomorrow. You know, how are you going to plan your day to make yourself feel better so that you're just not blue all day? What on your joy list can you do that's nourishing and nurturing for you personally that you can do by yourself, like taking a bath or, you know, watching a good movie or getting into a really good book? And then there's a ton of stuff that you can actually do to connecting with others that you can do on Zoom or on FaceTime or on the telephone. I would plan a couple 
social connections virtually throughout the day so that you can touch in with other humans. Um, And then, you know, it's interesting to think about that. Let's say you're having a Zoom, uh, Zoom Thanksgiving, Zoom giving, which a lot of people are have already planned on doing, you can get your your mind and heart ready for that before you turn your video camera on, just like you would be if you were arriving in real life, uh, you know, in, in the same building, in the same room with people, by taking five or ten minutes to just ground and center yourself, do a meditation, feel your body in the chair, you know, open your sense doors to see what you can see and hear what you can hear and feel what you can feel, like all those things that you that I would recommend that you would do before you walked into Thanksgiving dinner, I recommend that you do virtually. And all of that helps you slow down and respond skillfully rather than react to something because it can kind of be overwhelming. I don't know, have you, have you Zoomed with a lot of people um, in this past eight, nine months? I have. I've done, in terms of mostly, uh, I would say mostly, most of it has been more, you know, business stuff, business related or getting connected. In, but in terms of with family, yes. Um, I'm kind of, you know, as you're describing the situation as someone who's alone, there are those of us who have, I have not been alone at all. (laughs) So, and I am used to someone who has had a good balance of privacy relationships and and, uh, being connected. But at the same time, I haven't been alone in nine months uh, Mm -hmm. because I have everyone living with me. And since there are really is no place to go it's sort of it's a different situation um so where you almost need to carve out private time for yourself exactly right which can be difficult um i've been teaching this whole time online on zoom and um i have people that have been using their telephone for zoom and going into their car just so that they can because they've got extended family in their COVID bubble under their roof just so that they can get 20 minutes or 30 minutes or even an hour, depending on what it is that I'm teaching, of private time. Yeah, I've got people that have to wait till their kids go to sleep at night or there's grandkids in the house and in like, like what's going on in your life, you know, which is wonderful that they're not alone, but then they need a balance to find the private time. So, when I was first asking you about Zoom, you know, when we're on it for teaching or for business, it's really orderly and somebody's managing it. Yeah. When you go on it for social reasons, like I had my husband's 60th birthday on Zoom. So everybody was in all the little Hollywood squares, and I had to moderate because people can't all talk at one time. <laughs> it gets really hectic. So for people that are having their first Zoom holiday Thursday, just know that it could be a little frustrating and breathe, slow down, maybe somebody take control, maybe ask people to raise their hands so that it doesn't become just sort of like a free-for-all and then be frustrating and annoying, you know, because Julie, you I want to... I have to ask you this, uh, because yeah. I, I mean... Uh... 
I'm, I'm picturing it as you're describing it, a Zoom Thanksgiving, maybe for people who haven't been doing too much Zoom. Do the same uh-huh. issues, let's say, come up? Because, you know, like we're talking about some of these, well, well, the five mindfulness tips that come when you actually sit down at a dinner table with your family and you start regressing and going back to, you know, back to being six years old again and all the issues come up and all the, the uh, triggering all of the unresolved issues in families. Does it happen on Zoom in the same way, would you say? And then would you respond to... Uh, if it, it does, would you respond in the same way as you do if you were doing it not virtual but in person? I say yes, it would happen in the same way. I guess you have a little bit of physical distance, right? Because you're in two dimension there. But I mean, issues can come up. And this Thanksgiving, our country's still bitterly divided over the election that we just had. And there's actually families where people are on opposite sides, and it seems like this cataclysmic core value conflict, where it really, really probably isn't, probably both people want what's best for the country, but they're viewing it through completely different lenses. So there's that, right, to probably not talk about at Thanksgiving dinner, even though it's been on the top of most people's hearts and minds. Well, it's the elephant in the room. I mean, you're sitting there or you're <laughs> Zooming and you can't talk about the election or it's how do you do that? I guess one of the things you can do in terms of it gets heated, This I don't think this is exactly mindful, but at least you can, you can, leave the scene you can click off if you want to yeah no i don't think you'd want to do that that's not a good idea that would be like a real rejection right yeah Mm -hmm. but i'm sure that yeah i mean i'm sure that this is going to be just the strangest most bizarre thanksgiving for all these reasons right so we go back to you know, meditating, slowing down, breathing out longer than you breathe in, all of those things to calm you down, and then practicing acceptance and forgiveness for some of those triggers. You know, like if somebody does say something, you know, can you let it go? Can you let it go? Can you just decide it's it's going to be a peaceful Zoom giving and let that aunt or uncle or cousin's comment just wash over you. Here's a plus. And then, I think one of the issues um, that come up very often when you have everybody's at one's house for Thanksgiving, uh, cooking, and everybody has their opinion about how this should be cooked and what you should do and the timing, and you can don't have to argue about that because you're yeah. <laughs> there are no issues. Right? <laughs> There's a silver lining right there, yeah. right? Cook your turkey the way you want to. You don't have to be concerned about your mother, your mother-in-law, your sister, oh, brother, whoever. Pain. Yeah, It's such a pain in the butt in my mm-hmm. COVID bubble because my twin daughters are vegan. My son just is picky, right? Yeah. My husband and I don't eat red meat and I don't eat dairy and now I'm off gluten for medical reasons, which is the most annoying thing. So I just think I can't have stuffing because if I make gluten-free stuffing, it's going to have egg in it and the girls can't eat it. So I just had to let that go. Yeah. 
Who needs stuffing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> this is a weird Thanksgiving. I'm not having any other family other than my husband and my kids because of COVID. Usually there's a big, you know, a big celebration. So I'm just, um, I'm kind of letting go of, of, the, of the expectation that it's going to look traditional. And I think that's very freeing for people. I think that's a good thing in a way also because it is a different Thanksgiving. So trying to sort of duplicate what you've all, you know, what we've always or what each, everybody has different traditions and trying mm-hmm. to duplicate that is frustrating and maybe upsetting, whereas adding a new piece also, I think, if this fits into the, I think the whole frame is like, have so, do something, make it different, you know, right. however. So, yeah. And Like what if your favorite food is like, a Chinese dish or an Indian dish, do that. Yeah. You know? I mean, I don't really think the food, we're always so worried about the food. Let's let that go. I'm making a tofurkey for the three kids because they don't eat turkey, and I'm making a turkey breast just for my husband and I. And I was thinking last night, what do I need to make a turkey breast for? We could just all eat the tofurkey. Yeah. Just sort of like letting things go, you know? And then um, one of the other like hard tips is, of course, starting a gratitude practice if you don't already have one because gratitude is not canceled and it's never canceled and the benefits of gratitude are so unbelievably documented in terms of personality and health and your career and emotions, and I'm happy to go into each of those social categories. I'm happy to go into all that with you if you, if you yeah, want Yeah, let's to. do that. Let's talk about that because that is important, and I think that's probably key in this Thanksgiving um, 2020. So, yeah, let's go into that in the different categories, gratitude so practice. What, so what I do for a gratitude practice to make it easy is every night I write in a journal what did I enjoy today? What am I grateful for today? So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, some people's practice is writing five things, writing three things, whatever. It doesn't matter what the actual rules are. It just matters that you do it. And it's better to write it than to type it. But if you aren't comfortable writing for whatever reason, you you can keep it on your your laptop or your tablet or whatever. And then um, there's benefits that go into your personality because you're creating a positive feedback loop. So it makes people more optimistic and less materialistic. It's shown to make people more spiritual and less self-centered, and it gives people more self-esteem, which is interesting, I think. And then... In your health, it, it's found to make sleep better and longevity gives people more energy so that they can exercise more. I mean, it's this whole, like, uplifting of everything. They're, they're finding in the emotional category more resilience, happier memories. People are more relaxed. They have more good feelings less envy, which is interesting, you know, less social comparison. And then under the social heading, people are finding that they have deeper relationships. 
their marriages are happier. People respect them more. People are sort of drawn to people that have a good gratitude practice because they're happier. And then in the workplace, you're just more of a blessing and a pleasure. So you're a better manager, your networking's better, your decision-making's better. I mean, it's for such, um, for such a small effort, the benefits are so humongous, which is why I make myself do it. Julie, so give us like really, I mean, does this mean that every single day, night, do you pick a very specific time and you to sit down and to write down, as you say, try to write it and don't yeah, type it? Yeah, it takes me two minutes. Two yeah, minutes? It. It, takes, it takes me two minutes. That's it. I keep the So gratitude. when do you do it? That you do it? I do like, it. I keep it next to my toothbrush and I do it at night in my bathroom because if I put it on my nightstand, it gets lost. It's just honest. That's how my nightstand is. There's all kinds of things on deck there that I'm supposed to be reading. Supposed to be, says the mindful self compassion teacher. No, I'm not supposed to be, but I'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) So I keep it in my bathroom and I do it every night because the. It was years ago. I printed out this one, um, this one article, and it was the. I actually have it up on my desktop. But the thirty-one benefits of gratitude, the ultimate science-backed guide, and it was actually somebody that collated like over fifty studies. And I have this one slide in my slide deck when I do a PowerPoint that breaks it all down into these bubbles. And, I mean, it's actually kind of shocking. It all leads to happiness, right, in all these different areas. Just from doing that practice, you're not taking a pill. You're just doing that, and you're getting all this. It's, like, silly to not do it. So two minutes. Uh, Do other people, is there a time, is two minutes the ideal amount of time, or is that, like, two minutes? That's just what it takes me. I don't like to journal. So some people love to journal, and they could sit there for, you know, however long they want. Sometimes it only takes me a minute. Sometimes it's, I love to sail. I'm a sailor. So sometimes it's, what did you enjoy today? Sailing. What are you grateful for today? Sailing. Not even sentences. It's just two words. And the amazing thing about it is when you feel bad, you can look at your gratitude journal and you can remember things that really feel good. And if you lean into them and let them enrich them, absorb them like you're marinating in them, you're rewiring your brain for happiness and resilience just by pulling up that positive mental state and pushing it into a trait. What wires together fires together. You're making a happy bridge. So you're getting another bang for your buck just by pulling up that memory. So it's what a, really a valuable exercise. Yeah, it's, a, one of the, it's a, one of those things in your toolbox that you can use, I mean, at any time. I mean, it's, right? I mean, it's, a, it's in your head. But what about your husband that, now? To hear, does he do it? Do it does one's partner or people that you No, you with? know what? He's it's on separate. his own life. He's on his own life journey. I think he benefits because I'm a, a happier, grounded person, and I'm less reactive because of all the things that I do, um, and so he benefits in that way, but he doesn't do this stuff. I think he gets 
some of it by osmosis, just from being with me for, you know, since 1980. But I haven't been doing, I've only been doing this practice for, I'd say, maybe 10 years. Well, and I, I guess my next question is, how did you get into it? What and I think in the beginning I said, um, not you're a mindfulness expert, but you're also an attorney. So were you a practicing attorney before this, or how no, did, no, I, I haven't practiced. That it was so funny that you put JD up, and I was like, ooh, that's false advertising. I haven't <laughs> practiced in 25 years. Practice law, I mean. Oh, um, but you have when, the degree. Yes. Yeah, I was yeah. a lawyer. I was a lawyer in Michigan. And um, we moved to San Diego, California, when my son, who's now 30, was two, so 28 years ago. And that's when I stopped practicing law. And then I was a full-time mom and, you know, did a bunch of community stuff. And um, when they were adolescents, kind of fell apart and was recommended mindfulness-based stress reduction and took it. And it, I thought, oh, this neuroscience is fascinating and then you know one thing led to the next and here I am well you know it's interesting because a lot of people I mean I hope they're listening to you because some people say oh mindfulness you know it's just mumbo jumbo and it's this and and now it's becoming I mean even mainstream physicians and or even conservative or mainstream or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. them well, recommend mm-hmm. mindfulness. Oh, yeah, it's you know, completely. Yeah. I mean, I teach. You know, I teach a lot of lawyers. I teach. I teach skeptics because I was a skeptic. So it wasn't until I dug into the science that I said, "Oh my gosh, this is miraculous healing." And this was even before they knew that it decreases inflammation, so it helps your immune response and. You know, I mean, all of all the things that you could be doing during this pandemic, this is a good thing to help your physiology because it could possibly protect you. I mean, it's not a it's not a mask and a face shield, but it's something that you can do to help your to help your body. So it's it's great stuff. Well, and, it also, and when I talk about oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, when I talk about meditation, I just want to put a plug in for loving-kindness meditation because there's a, a whole bunch of science behind that also. So if you're going to meditate, I recommend choosing a loving-kindness meditation um, because the science behind that shows that it makes people more altruistic. It makes us better humans when we practice that specific type of wishing other people well. Well, I think that's critical right now, especially with the pandemic. Altruism mm-hmm. is, people are not, talk about Thanksgiving, people are not, don't have enough food to eat. Children don't yeah. have enough food to eat. People don't have enough clothes to wear. I mean, it's just this whole uh, scenario in, in this pandemic. So altruism is key. And you're saying this loving kindness meditation is something that really encourages it or promotes it? It encourages it. Yeah. They've done so many studies. It increases empathy. It increases compassion. It, it, makes you a more, it makes you more likely to give to others. It curbs self-criticism. I mean, it's, it's, unbe- it's really unbelievable. It decreases chronic pain and migraines. It decreases PTSD. 
And when I say loving-kindness meditation, what I mean is there's all these meditations that have you saying phrases in your mind like, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. And you're repeating these phrases to different categories of humans. So the first human, or it could be a dog or cat, just to warm your heart up in your chest, you're saying these phrases to a being that brings you joy just naturally so that you get the feeling of what it feels like. And then you add these other categories of people, friends, family. You can add people like kind of more like a guided visualization where you're imagining the whole planet in your mind, you know, all sentient beings. You can do it for categories of people that you don't, that you don't like, which is a more difficult practice, and then flip back and forth to people that you love to try to widen the circle of compassion to include all beings, which is really difficult but super-duper helpful if you're in America right now. Now, what about the rest of your family? Are they doing, because I'm thinking you're doing this, you're, uh, you know, your husband has chosen not to, but he gets, reaps the benefits of it. What about, because you have grown children, are, how is, are they, do they do this or? Yeah, my twins yeah. are really big meditators. And actually, I shouldn't say that my husband doesn't do it, but he and my son like gadgets, and so they do this, how they meditate is they use this headband. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Muse, M-U-S-E, like you're somebody's muse, and it does like a biofeedback so that it's got an app um, that correlates with your phone, and it makes a chirping sound if your brain waves are actually in the beneficial meditation state or like a thunder sound if they're not. And so they do meditate, but that's how they meditate. And that's M-U-S-E? You said that's an yeah. app? Yeah, it's a gadget. It's cool. I just, you know, they <laughs> when they first came out, I think it was maybe four years ago, they put it on me to see like, yeah, let's see if she's really meditating, you know. And of course I was. And you were. You, <laughs> right. Well, now we have a couple minutes left. So let's talk about some of those uh, other places we can go, like um, websites. I know you, yeah, you're so, doing. Yeah. Um, so Balanced Mind with Julie Potaker is a podcast, and it's got really nice guided meditations on it, and it's free. Um, and then the website is www.mindfulmethodsforlife. There's a a library on there that's got all my teachers' books and their newsletters and, of course, my offerings. There's a YouTube channel on there where some of the guided meditations are um, little nature videos that my, my friend and colleague Patty Lane creates from my meditations. They're beautiful, so if you don't want to close your eyes, you can watch and listen um, and... Facebook, the Facebook group, I know some people are really negative on Facebook these days, but the, the Mindful Methods for Life Facebook page has over 83,000 people on it now, and it's a very happy, healthy place where I share mental health and well-being um, you know, articles. and I mean, something's on there every day that's going to be helpful. 
Okay, that's great. I mean, obviously, that's a lot of information. Um, and I thank you so much for being on the show again today. This was great. I will uh, pra- try. I will try to practice. Yeah, I think you've sort of convinced me that maybe I should be doing this. I have to tell you. Yay! So. <laughs> Yay! Hey. Especially, well, yeah. you know what? Well, so I'm I- in a different. Yeah, the pandemic, the whole context, uh, the context has changed. So, um, yeah, you might have another follower. But anyway, have a ha- really happy Thanksgiving. You and, too. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. May you find ease. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 